0: Well, good morning again. It's hour two of Mornings with Carmen here on the Faith Radio Network. Um, Rosalind Carter, former First Lady of the United States, wife of former President Jimmy Carter. Rosalind Carter, um, mental health activist, humanitarian. She has passed into glory. I feel confident saying that that way because she is a sister in Christ. Um, Rosalind Carter as first lady worked tirelessly on behalf of mental health reform. Um, She actually is the person who I would credit with professionalizing the role of the president's wife. So according to the Carter center, Rosalind Carter passed away peacefully with family by her side at her home in Plains, Georgia. We had just received notice like the day or two prior that she had entered into hospice care. Um, Jimmy Carter, her husband, former president of the United States, he has been in hospice hospice care since February following a series of hospital stays. Um, So it gives us a pause and opportunity to to talk together about how we will be remembered, why we will be remembered, and for what we will be remembered when we die. Um, Because here's one thing that I am... Of, of which I'm absolutely certain. I can say this with 100% confidence. Um, I am going to die, and you are going to die, and everyone else. I mean, this, if you have like little kids in the car, their eyes just went like wide as saucers, and they're like, "What? What? Okay, what's well, just the reality of life and death?" Like, butterflies are a really good example of this. Um, you can, I mean, we love, 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 like watching the, the worm spin its cocoon and, um, and then we love watching it emerge as a butterfly and then we let it fly away. One of the reasons we let it fly away is the butter li- butterfly's life is short-lived. It's, a, it's a, actually, if you would keep your butterfly in in a large, but you know I mean, in a generous space, but keep it, then you would actually get to see its entire life cycle. You just begin to recognize the brevity of all of that. So um, Rosalind Carter, um, she, she knew the Lord. She knows the Lord. Um, you know, speaking of butterflies, she actually, you may not know this about her, um, she has left behind a, a really cool butterfly legacy as well, the Rosalind Carter Butterfly Trail. Um, that is in Plains, Georgia. Reason to visit if you if you, you know didn't just want to go and visit the Habitat for Humanity <laughs> Center there, which is also located in Plains. Maybe you, um, maybe you want to go check out the butterflies and the butterfly trail. It's a network of more than 3,000 pollinator-friendly public and private gardens uh, inspired by her concern about the threats to monarch butterfly habitat. So you can get a whole map. You can follow the whole butterfly trail throughout the state of Georgia. Um, it's something that's been happening now for like 10 years. So this is something that she started when she was 86. So if you've ever thought that you were too old, to start something new. Uh, Rosalind Carter was 86 when she asked a neighbor in Plains for advice about planting native species. She wanted to make her own yard a better butterfly habitat. And so then, you know, other people started doing what Rosalind was doing, and they started providing these pollinator habitat gardens Um, And eventually it started a trail, right, a trail where basically the butterflies could go from one garden to the next garden, to the next garden, to a church garden, to a garden at a library. um, And then across actually the state border as a friend across uh, across the border um, wanted the trail to continue. So that's probably something about Rosalind Carter you didn't even know because she started that project when she was 86. <laughs> so I think I'm wondering today of all the things that might be said of us when we pass from this life to the life to come. Are they? Are people going to remember like, you know, uh, what you did in kindergarten? Um, Are they going to remember what you did in high school? Are they going to remember what you did... As a young adult, in the raising of a family, are they gonna remember what you did in your life of work, in your body of work? Are they gonna remember what you did? Yeah, like in this case, uh, you know, a butterfly trail. Um, my guess is that when your children and others stand up to call you blessed when you're gone, it's gonna be stories like, I remember the time that she set an extra table at Thanksgiving for the neighbor down the street who was going to be eating alone. And I remember how that changed not just the day, but my perception of my mom. They're going to tell stories about um, how you did little things for the least of these. They're going to talk about how you changed their life. They're going to stand up and call you blessed for the way in which they saw you bless someone else. And so, um, this Thanksgiving week, as we consider sitting down at table together, as we consider doing for others who cannot do for themselves, if if right now you're you're suffering with you know what I would call a sense of a complaining spirit, you're you're counting up the grievances, you're not counting up the blessings, you're you're counting the empty chairs, you're not counting the opportunity that those empty chairs provide for you to create a feast and a fellowship for others. I want to encourage you today. Um, If right now you don't have a plan for this coming Thursday for Thanksgiving, like now's the time to make a plan. Research where in your community you could go and serve. Don't, Don't be grieved that no one has invited you over. Invite other people over. Be the inviter. Or go and serve someone else. I absolutely 100 percent guarantee you that within a reasonable distance of where you are right now, there is a church, there is a community center, there is a union outreach gospel mission. There is a neighbor who is planning on feeding other people this coming Thanksgiving. So let's be the people who are remembered for the way that we reached out, that we sought out, that we served up, that we laid down our own rights and, and grievances, In order that other people could be blessed. And yeah, while you're at it, plant a butterfly bush. You're listening to Mornings with Carmen. When we come back, we're going to be talking with Christian Bevere, author of Break Up with What Broke You. So let's start there. Are you broken? Yes, I am. What broke you? What broke you? And are you ready to break up with what broke you? That's up next. You're on Mornings with Carmen. Hey, we're welcoming Christian Bevere today joining us as author of Break Up With What Broke You. Um, but she's got a ton of other stuff that she's doing as well. So check it all out at ChristianBevere.com. Christian, welcome back to Mornings with Carmen.
2: Hi, Carmen. Thank you so much for having me.
0: What a delight. We love your family. I know you hear that all the time, but it it, it, bears, it bears repeating. <laughs> it never itself. gets old, though. It never gets honest. old, right? Will there be a giant Bevere Thanksgiving
2: you know, there will definitely be a giant of Christmas that takes mm-hmm. about two hours longer than it typically does. And I'm absolutely thrilled for that. All right. That is
0: so great. I love that. Um, <laughs> what are we breaking up with and why do we need to break up with
2: what broke us? I'm so glad you asked the audience that question a few minutes ago. And it's such a real question we need to ask. And as you probably felt saying it, it's not always fun to tell people, hey, I'm broken. You're broken. We're all broken. But the, the highlight is we get to say, but there is a breakthrough waiting for us. And if we're people of faith, there is a promise of restoration and redemption. For me, I needed to break up with a negative self-image of shame, regret, comparison, I mean the list can go on and on. But I found after college I was keeping hold of these these things, these lies in my head, these negative um voices who were just saying you're not enough, no one's going to love you, how dare you even try for that. And I think more than we admit, many of us have those same fears or insecurities that we let have power over us, but it's time to stop letting our past, our insecurities define our future. We need to give that position back to God and be fully his.
0: So, you know, that's, it's easier to say than it is to do, right? right. Because that, that means I am, I am placing myself before God in, in all of my nakedness, in all of my shame and regret, in all of the parts of my story that, you know, I tried to write myself, and that mm-hmm. just went bad. That just went badly. So can you can you talk a little bit about what it means for God to redeem
2: and rewrite my story? Yeah, you're speaking to the humility we have to have to even get to that place. And I like to tell people, hey, the first step is going to be the hardest, because mm-hmm. we do have to say, May, maybe, maybe. I was wrong in thinking I can control this, or I was trying to take control of my life and and look how it turned out. Or maybe I've been coasting with God and I thought going to church, I I was doing good and I was healed and whole, but I've let these open doors where he wasn't Lord of my life creep all these other things in. So it's, it's quite a humbling experience. And sometimes I I felt this at least I've seen other people that have gone through this method, feel the same way that they can feel isolated at first. So anyone listening, I want to affirm you. If you feel like you're doing everything wrong, you might be at a great place to start doing everything right. And I've seen God's redemption come through, you know, exceedingly abundantly more than I could have imagined. And just to a point of God, i me, are you sure? Can you do this in my life? I know you can do this, but do you really want to give me the, the redemptive marriage? Do you want to give me, um, you know, a family? Do you want to, um, allow me to reach other people? I feel like you, you can't use me. You need to use someone else. And that's the level of God saying, when you give me your whole heart, when you give me your past, when you give me your ambitions and your desires, I can redeem it. I can restore it. I can transform it. And, that's how lavish his love is. It can go from, you know, the place, the darkest places that we were and him say, let me show you what my light can do.
0: Hmm. That's so good. We're talking with Christian Bevere. She is the author of break up with what broke you. We do have copies to give away for those of you asking on the text line. All you have to do is text the word book to eight seven seven nine three three two four eight four. Um, Christian we could talk um we could talk about a number of different I I guess I'll use the term emotions but let's let's start with shame um shame is not just an emotion it's I love this language it's an infestation in our world today can you can you start there um with us yeah
2: i, I- Happy to be talking to fellow believers because I think we often mix up shame and conviction. We think, mm-hmm. Oh, I, f- I feel remorse for what I'd done. That must be shame, and I must sit in that because I'm a wicked sinner. But through my experience, what I learned is shame and conviction are not feelings, they're directions. They lead us to an action. Conviction will lead us to, to repent and say, God, man, that was not the right choice. I need you to show me how to get back on path. But shame will be this self-criticism that lingers. And as you said, it infests the very way we see ourselves, the way we interact with others. And it is almost like this tainting to who we are. And we think it allows us to think that we are what we've done wrong. We take on Mm. that as our identity rather than A son or daughter of Christ that has erred and needs to get back on direction. We just think, I'm dirty. I'm a mess. There's no going back for me now. And that's negative to us for, you know, you can fill in all the reasons of why that would be troublesome, but we think about following our path and our call. We're not going to see that clearly if we're seeing through a tainted lens. So I've seen this for. A hundred of practical reasons of people I've walked through and anyone listening that has a a daughter and it's like, man, they're in their teenager years and there's just so much going on right now. I don't even know how to speak to this. I would love for you to get them this book because there are some very practical things with shame that I get to speak to. But also just the overarching idea that anything we go through that we don't fully release we carry. And so much of that has happened underneath the surface. And because of the lies of the enemy thinking, well, you have to bear that as a punishment. No, that's not the cross. You take up the cross is being more like Christ, giving him these anxieties and laying them at his feet and letting him show us what it looks like to sever that tie and sever the chains that those sins and mistakes had.
0: Are you ready to make a clean break That is one of the things Christian's inviting you to do in Break Up With What Broke You. We're going to continue our conversation with Christian Bevere in just a moment. We are giving away copies today. You can text the word BOOK to 877-933-2484. Are you ready to break up with what broke you? When we come back, we're going to talk about um, some practical ways that we can leave comparison behind Um, Because when we talk about shame, that leads us into a conversation about um, comparison, and it also leads us further into a conversation about being enough. So if you don't think you're smart enough or rich enough or pretty enough, mm -hmm, we're going to deal with that as well. It's time to break up with those ideas. You're listening to Mornings with Carmen. Thanks for listening to the podcast of Mornings with Carmen. Thank you so very much. If you'd like to become a supporter today, just visit MyFaithRadio.com. And again, thanks for being a part of what we do every day at Mornings with Carmen. If you're thinking to yourself today that you're broke, well, what broke you? If you think for a moment of your brokenness, what broke you? and are you ready to break up with um with that. So we're talking with Christian Bevere. The book is Break Up With What Broke You. Christian um the word comparison like we it's constant. Like I there's I mean I'm I'm comparison shopping all the time, right? Like I'm yeah. I mean, you know, the cost of a pound of butter, like whatever. Like comparison is, you know, taking two things and setting them side by side and determining which is of greater value or worth or, Mm -hmm. but when we start doing it in the mirror or on worse on social media, when we start scrolling, um, Mm -hmm. we fall into a pretty deep comparison trap pretty quickly. So first, I'm wondering if you struggle with that. And then if you have some practical ideas for us, how we can break up with comparison.
2: Yeah. Yeah. Well, I had to struggle with it a little bit to write about it, right? <laughs> but uh, yeah, it's it's an epidemic. It's all over. And like you said, it's, it's not even just in our minds. So I think that allows us more so to think, oh, this is okay to do because this is the way of the world. You just compare things. You contrast them. But we are not just things of the world. We are creation. And we are... In some ways, lessening ourselves, but also in some ways, also lessening God's design when we step into comparison habitually. And if you liken it to the butter example you gave. What is that? If I said, okay, well, here's Carmen. She has a radio show. She's doing all these amazing things. I'm just, I'm not doing enough. And we start to belittle ourselves, <laughs> or even the other way of that, we're, we're taking what is so divine, what's multifaceted of how God created us and just putting it down to, well, what can we can try it on paper and what's better than the other rather than what's unique, what's special, what is timely. When we can have those type of lenses, the, the practical tip speaking, when we can have those lens, it helps us one better um, understand and compute where we are today and what we need to be doing. But it also has this value that's still within the conversation. I never want to at least I want to see now how much comparison robs me. I never want to take someone else's life and make that either my measuring stick or devalue them in the process of healing how I see myself. And I think we just need to remember one, that if you're trying to be the prettiest, the strongest, whatever it is, the example that you have in your head does not exist. There's not the most beautiful woman in the world. Like you know, shiny only comes in plastic, right? The Barbie movie came out. We know that it's all a facade and know the true thief, know that if the enemy can separate, can divide, especially over things that are not even relevant to the end of the day, to the end of um, our purpose in life, then he's of course going to use that to, to separate us and to undermine us. So let's not give him any more power to do that.
0: So there are moments when I wish this were you know youtube and not just radio because nobody <laughs> would suffer by comparison right now to me <laughs> oh, they'd be I like did. huh ponytail no makeup fuzzy robe look at her and they'd be like huh she not i mean you know radio is so glamorous right well so radio is super fun and i love it because it's like one-on-one it's the two of us talking and then it's the two of us talking with um with paula with lucy with uh, Mary, with Linda, with Carolyn, with Colleen, with Lori, with all the people on the text line right now, Nancy and Anne and, uh, I mean, Jill. I mean, right, so those are all the folks texting in. <laughs> and oh, so there is, it, right? It's, so you and I are talking with each other and we are having a conversation, um, but we're also having it with these wonderful uh, individuals who probably like me are sitting in their fuzzy robes with their ponytails and their no makeup <laughs> and they're fuzzy slippers and probably their dogs. Cause yeah, there's a lot of dog listeners to this show. Um, let's, um, let's, we got a couple of minutes. Let's briefly unpack the lie of never being enough, smart enough, rich enough, pretty enough. Like we can get a shift in our thinking, a serious shift in our thinking on this particular topic of being enough.
2: Mm -hmm. Yeah. I put this chapter after the comparison chapter actually, because I think it took that understanding of, how much we weave comparison into our thinking, especially about ourselves and our worth, our status. And we have to go from, okay, if we're not going to compare who we are, then how are we going to ever see, okay, well, I feel adequate enough to reach God. I feel adequate enough to look at myself in the morning and feel okay with who I am. Sometimes that's been so comparison led or it's been shame led. So as we move through those things, we need to understand, okay, well, where does our worth come from and why do we always think well we're we're missing the bar? And I wrote this down and it's just one of my favorite ways to articulate this chapter. And I said that God doesn't call us to be perfect. Instead, He calls us to something better, and He asks us, "Follow Me." And that's in Matthew four nineteen. And so the idea of being, He's not asking you to be this air free, um, like Kissa Karma saying, and like wakes up with not needing any makeup and just like there's no puffy eyes. Like, what we imagine to be perfect in our eyes is not what God calls us to be. He says, I want you to be mine. I want you to be my servant. I want you to follow me. And we look at his followers. They were not perfect. They had days where they were not enough. Peter was not patient enough. Um, you know, we can go on and on of the things that we could put in there, but he's saying it's not about becoming enough of, well, I'm going to be the best. I'm going to be this person. I'm going to make my five-year plan happen. It's about being enough. And that takes a rest that takes resting in him, coming back to him, letting him be our anchor rather than chasing this ladder to climbing success, climbing beauty, whatever your ladder may be. And that's a hard pill to swallow. And it's yeah. it takes a level of ick of <laughs> like, well, I'm going to be okay with sitting in what feels like inadequacy, what feels like I wish God would have made me taller, smarter, whatever it may be. And just saying, God, this is who you made me to be. And I'm not going to wish away what is unique from you in exchange for what I've made up in my mind.
0: Mm. Um, I want you to speak right now to the woman who's listening, who she needs restoration, um, but she has not yet allowed God to begin rewriting her story.
2: Mm. I know. I know that I was going to say, I know that woman and I know many also in that, that camp of thinking. And I mean, my thoughts just go back to when we first talked about with shame and for so many people that I've talked to around this idea, they'll say, well, yeah, I'll, I'll let God do that. Or I believe for him to do this. And the ability to actually dig deeper as we've been saying throughout this, identify what broke you. I mean, that's the very first section of the book because talking about breaking up, you can't break up with someone you don't know by name. (laughs) You can't ghost them, just write a letter Mm -hmm. to anonymous saying, Hey, we're over. You have to look the person in the eye and say, this is not working. We need to be done. So when it comes to wanting God to redeem something in your life, what is it he's redeeming? Have you identified This is the instance that led to me thinking that I was unlovable. This is the instance where I feel like I just hit rock bottom. We have to identify what that is. Take it to Christ. Say, God, what here's this, please take it away. And what has caused a root because of it? Will you heal me and show me? And as he removes and excavates those very things, that's where he can replenish and replace with um, his love for you, his, his talents, his giftings things that he's restoring. But again, it's not the most comfortable step. It's not the most glamorous step. It's very humbling, but it's also very freeing and redemptive. There's um, a verse that I talk about in the book. Um, it's about how the wicked hate the light, but those who essentially I'm paraphrasing here, the Christian Bavir translation, <laughs> but those that love Christ run to the light because they see that it is cleansing and is freeing. And that's just this analogy, almost like a prodigal son of running back to Christ in the midst of feeling broken, in the midst of what feels like filth and saying, God, please cleanse me one, because I know you can, and because I know you want to, and we're so much better for it. If we can just take that first bit of uncomfortableness, we will feel the biggest liberation. I promise you'll feel a liberation and a weight lifted off your shoulders. And if you're like me, you won't even believe all that God does in your life.
0: Christian Bevere, thank you so much for joining us. We are giving away copies of Break Up With What Broke You today. You can text the word BOOK to 877-933-2484. You can also find Christian and her podcast and connect with her on social media, ChristianBevere.com. Some of you, many of you um, are familiar with mainline denominations. Many of you have left mainline churches over the course of time because you have found them to be teaching an unfaithful theology. Some of you are still in mainline congregations and you are in very local expressions of those denominations where the truth is still proclaimed and you find wonderful fellowship and opportunities to serve the Lord. I want to talk to both of those groups of people today. Our next guest is Redeemed Zoomer. He's a young guy. Um, He describes himself as, um, you know, from from liberal to Christian. That is his own faith journey. And he is working now to foment something called Operation Reconquista, uh, a reclaiming, a retaking even of mainline Christianity. That's up next here on Mornings with Carmen. people are a little harder to introduce to you than others, um, and so this is a little bit difficult to introduce you um, to uh, to Redeemed Zoomer, because that's all I'm going to tell you about him, really. I'm going to let him speak for himself. So, Zoomer, welcome to Mornings with Carmen.
1: Hey, thank you for having me on. So, I'm Redeemed Zoomer, a.k.a. Richard Ackerman. Yes, I have released my real name now. I am a Christian YouTuber and Instagrammer. From New York, and I talk a lot about a th- talk about a lot of things, including like the different churches and what I think the best vision for the church going forward is. So thank you.
0: absolutely. I'd like to start with your story um because sure. one of the ways you describe yourself, um, particularly like on Instagram, is from leftist to Christian. So can you tell us uh, you know a little bit about you, your story of migration or transformation?
1: Certainly. So I grew up in the suburbs of New York, and it's just a very secular, atheistic, cultural environment. So where I grew up, it was just very weird for anyone to take religion seriously. And the de facto religion of my community, my public school, was just leftism. You know, the way to make the world a better place is just social justice, any sort of left-wing activist ideas um and i was basically taught not by my parents or anything but by my school by my culture i was taught to think that all conservative christians are a bunch of dumb anti-intellectual hillbillies and i thought they were like at what's be- i thought they were like behind every problem in society And then I went to a music camp in the Midwest where I met a lot of Christians. It was sort of like a Christian-themed music camp, because I've always been a musician. And there I learned that the stereotype I'd heard about Christians was completely untrue. They were a lot more kind and loving, and they had a lot more life in their eyes than anyone I had known back home. And at that music camp, I decided to become a Christian. It was run by a professor, music professor, who was also a devout Presbyterian, and the The camp was involved in a lot of community service activities with various churches. Generally, they were mainline Protestant churches just around the the community of the city that we were nearby to. So when I came back home, I joined the Presbyterian Church in my hometown, and I, I didn't immediately abandon all my left wing views. But over time, I began to see that my Christian views were incompatible with my left wing views because I realized that leftism was a religion in and of itself. It was a religion that challenged Christianity, and eventually I had to pick one, so I picked Christianity.
0: And first of all, thank you um, for sharing. Thank you for uh, sharing a little bit also about the process, because I do think that people imagine that um, it happens all at once. (laughs) And it doesn't. Discipleship is a process. Um, there are lots of things that we have to unlearn in order that we can learn new things. And then as we learn new things, we recognize things about ourselves that still need to be brought into conformity with Christ. Like we see those degrees that still need um, the Holy Spirit's attention. So thank you um, for all of that. Um, when you like saw the reality of... <laughs> Of Jesus, of the things of the faith, um, you are—you are a unique person in that, like, you couldn't unsee them, and you started to see things yes. in the life of mainline Christianity that then you couldn't unsee because they were so clear to you from where you had been, um, you know, in what you describe as leftism. So tell us mm-hmm. what you what you saw and what you see as the hijacking of mainline churches by by
1: liberalism. Sure. Well, to your first point, I saw what I couldn't unsee, and that's the goodness, truth, and beauty of Christianity all in one place. I saw that in the summer camp, and then I saw that repeated in the like my local mainline church when I started to attend that. Um, I didn't really witness the hijacking until a couple years after I became Christian, because my, my local congregation was quite good. I, you mm-hmm. would not have known that the denomination had any problems just for my local congregation. But um, the pastor retired my first year being there. Generally, all the good PCUSA pastors keep retiring, dropping like flies. So we got an interim temporary pastor, and she began to say a lot of things that sounded kind of odd to me. I was not educated in the faith, so I didn't really know exactly what was, you know, orthodoxy, what was heresy. But it, I could tell she was quite liberal, and at the time I was like, okay, she's a liberal Christian, so what? Um, maybe there should be a liberal form of Christianity so we can evangelize to the liberals or something. Um, but then I was getting confirmed in that church, and I kept asking her questions about what she believed. And eventually I realized she doesn't really believe in much of this at all. Uh, And then I went on a confirmation retreat uh, hosted by not my church, but my presbytery, which is famously one of the most liberal presbyteries in the country. And there was one pastor who did not believe Jesus was God. There was another pastor who yelled at me for being pro-life. There was another pastor who called unborn children parasites and called Tim Keller, a fundamentalist after I said I had been listening to him. So um, when I was there, I, I, after that, I came back to my church. I spoke to my mentor because my mentor was really solidly, you know, orthodox. And I was like, what's going on in this denomination? I I want to out of here because this seems to be completely heretical. And then he explained to me how the church got hijacked and part of the reason it got this bad is because people kept leaving once liberalism introduced itself. So he explained to me why I could not run away. And for several years I didn't really get it. But eventually, I started to understand once I uh, moved to Texas for college, and I compared mainline Christianity to evangelical Christianity, and I realized that they are both sort of half of what the church needs. So the split really split the gospel in two, and I realized that um, to for America to have Christianity in its fullness, um, the split needs to be undone.
0: So that's that's your passion. And um, first of all, let me just remind everybody uh, that we are we are talking with Richard Ackerman. He is Redeemed Zoomer. You can find him on YouTube, Redeemed Zoomer. You can find him on Instagram, Redeemed underscore Zoomer. You can also find him and um, the work that he is engaged in at Operation Reconquista, because and that's really the, the pivot that I want to make um, here, because it, it's one thing for an individual to say, I see a problem um, and I'm experiencing it in my own in my own walk of faith, in my own experience of the local church and the larger network of churches that we would call denominations. I, I mean, I see it. I see the problems. It's another thing to, like, press your life into it, um, kind of in the spirit of Martin Luther. So talk with us a little bit about... Maybe let's maybe let's actually do what you guys did on Reformation Day. Like this network of people that you're engaged with, largely over social media, um literally distributed a new 95 theses to every church in every denomination that need um to return to Jesus. Like I, I tell us about that. That's incredible.
1: Sure, yeah. Um so for several years it was just me and my hopes for what the church could be. But it's like, I don't know, I don't have an army or anything. How am I supposed to do this? Um, but then uh, when I saw like when I saw more and more things I loved, including some personal friends, fall to secularism and leftism, I was like, I can't not do something about this. And that's why I started Redeem Zoomer. I saw so many of my friends go from Christian to leftist, and that's why I started my page from leftist to Christian, to show the process can go in reverse for me, hopefully it can go in reverse for the church as well. Um so my, I started my page. I was not expecting it to grow into what it did. Uh, but once it did, once I made some YouTube videos that got like millions of views, I was like, maybe I actually could do something about this now. So I started an online community on Discord. Discord is a platform where it's basically an all-purpose communication platform. You can chat, you can text, you can video call, you can send links, you can do all those things. Discord is the probably the most useful uh, platform for a community organization so through my youtube channel through my social media i started a discord dedicated to retaking the mainline churches and all i intended to do at first was just create a space for you know orthodox conservative mainline protestants to like hang out i wasn't expecting the discord to grow into what it ended up becoming um but once I was there, people started forming their own communities within the Discord on their own. Each sort of denomination formed its own conservative Orthodox community within our Discord. So you talked about Reformation Day. That actually wasn't my idea. Um, in February, I wrote 95 theses to the PCUSA, to my own denomination. That was just me, really. And I didn't distribute any flyers. I just sent out emails um, But once the discord community formed and a natural sort of leadership structure developed in that community, sort of independent of me, a few people had an idea that maybe on Reformation Day, each denomination could write their own 95 theses to their respective denominations, calling out the problems of liberalism and demanding a reformation. And they could send the theses all at once on Reformation Day, including distributing flyers, posting on doors, all that stuff. Um, So this actually wasn't my idea. Um, But I was totally on board with it when I heard about it. So, yeah, on Reformation, by the time Reformation Day hit, we had well over a thousand people in our community. Not mostly, you know, young people, but we also had a few pastors in each of these denominations. And thanks to one particular Episcopal priest, Reverend Jake Dell, um, uh, in the Episcopal Church, the uh, our Episcopal Reconquista faction actually got a couple Episcopal bishops and many Episcopal priests on board with their Reconquista movement. So where we stand today, post-Reformation Day, is Reconquista is basically a, a loose coalition of seven independent, um, independent groups dedicated to restoring each of the seven American mainline denominations.
0: It's- It's really extraordinary. It is, um, it's like it's brash in all the right ways. Um, I do want to talk when we come back about any, you know, I don't know, any backlash, any criticism you've received. The naysayers who are out there, I'm sure you hear from them um, and maybe increasingly now that uh, now that, you know, everyone knows your name. We are talking with Redeemed Zoomer. Uh, Richard Ackerman. You can find him. Um, his YouTube channel is Redeemed Zoomer 6053 Don't know if you need that part, but I typed it in and it got me there directly. Uh, the organization or the effort is called OperationReconquista.com. Um, those of you who are texting in, yes, I see you. Thank you so much. The text line's open. If you've got a question for me or for Richard, you can send it in, 877 933 Eight, four. Some of you know my, uh, my history in evangelical, seeking to be an evangelical witness in the midst of a mainline denomination, actually the same one that Richard is in now. So, you know, I, I spent a lifetime, um, seeking to do what Richard is now seeking to do, but the times have changed. And so social media makes things possible that weren't possible. 20 or 40 years ago. And so I love this effort and we want to know more about it and we want to fan the flame. So more with Redeemed Zoomer next here on Mornings with Carmen. If you're a new listener, we want to officially welcome you with a free welcome pack gift. Request yours today at myfaithradio.com. When's the last time that you... Uh You came across someone and they both like thrilled you to know that they're out you and out there. And then it also scared you a little bit. Yeah, that's how I feel about redeemed Zoomer. His name is Richard. He is with us today. Operationconquista.com is the website you want to check out. If this is a uh, an effort you would like to engage in. A lot of you are in mainline churches. I hear from you all the time. And so, um, as faithful individuals in mainline congregations, this is an effort to uh, connect or an opportunity to connect with others like you, and to fan the flame of revival within the mainline. So, Richard, mm-hmm. um, let's uh, let's talk about the the support you've gotten, um, the network maybe the networks you've discovered in addition to the ones that um, you know, are now emerging Um, and then also the pushback, you know, the naysayers. So just kind of walk around with us in sort of who's with you in it. And then, you know, who, who has risen up to say, we're not with you in this.
1: Right. So on Reformation day, We sent out 95 theses against liberalism to every mainline church that we could find, you know, somewhere like in the middle of nowhere, have no email. We couldn't really get there, Uh, but generally every mainline church and responses from laity were overwhelmingly positive. So responses Mm -hmm. from people who attend these mainline churches are overwhelmingly positive because Because, like, the leadership of all these denominations is very liberal, they get branded by the secular and Christian media as liberal denominations. In reality, that's not true of most of the lay people. Most of the lay people are regular Christians who want to go to church with their families um and a lot of the pastors are also against liberalism but they're too afraid to speak up we're trying to give them hope and a lot of people told us a lot of people told us a lot of pastors told us that they've been fighting this for 30 40 50 years and this is the first time they've ever seen any real hope of change and and now we have gotten pushback from the left because the leadership of these denominations you know, the the liberals are always way overrepresented in the leadership of all these denominations. In the PCUSA, the General Assembly is gerrymandered. In the Episcopal and Evangelical Lutheran churches, the presiding bishop does not reflect the whole denomination. So basically, the leadership of all these denominations sent out emails warning about us. Uh, but they weren't very smart in doing so because, for example, like the um, – Certain PCUSA Presbyteries sent out emails warning about us, and they linked our website and social media. It's like, okay, buddy, thanks for the free advertising. Mm -hmm. Um, Now, we also have gotten pushback from the right. So Reconquista's philosophy is very simple, and an idiot like me, uh, it was me, could have thought of it. Three words, stop running away. Uh, Because like my mentor in the PCUSA told me, the reason... The left takes over is because the right is passive and or runs away. Um, That's kind of why one of the reasons why all these nominations have fallen to liberalism so quickly. So I, I keep telling people if you if you are in a church and some liberals show up to your church, don't run away. That is when you need to be most active in the church conservatives really do have a running away problem. And I see this with conservatives on social media, whether it's like Twitter or YouTube. They say, you know, we have to run away from the universities. The universities go woke, run away from them. Start your own Bible college in the middle of nowhere. Uh, The cities are going woke, run away to the rural areas, live on a farm. Uh, The churches are going woke, split off, start a new non-denominational Bible church somewhere. Um, The left understands that you need not just to evangelize individuals, but the left understands you need to evangelize the centers of Power, Um, and that's why they win. This is what they've been talking about for years. They've been planning a a long march through the institutions. This isn't some conspiracy theory. You can read like the writings of Antonio Gramsci and stuff to learn that that this is exactly their plan. Their plan. They don't care about convincing every individual of their beliefs. All they care about is you know, hijacking the centers of cultural influence. And this doesn't just apply to the church, but as Christians, we know everything starts from the church and flows outward. So because of that, I've gotten into a lot of arguments with people who do have a retreatist mindset, particularly those who have, I don't know, recently split off from the Church of England after there has been some wokeness and liberalism in the Church of England, which, by the way, is not nearly as bad as it is in mainline American denominations. Uh, But I will get into arguments with some people because some people really believe retreatism is the way to go. I disagree because retreatism is what conservative Christians have been trying for the past 100 years, and we've lost every single inch of the culture war by doing so.
2: Mm.
0: You are so articulate. You're so well-spoken. We want to have you back because I feel like we've had, you know, like, Ten percent of a conversation. Um, and I want to send people to um, to your website and to your socials. So Operation OperationReconquista.com. That's where you want to go to connect with um, one of the seven expressions of this across uh, mainline denominations. So I know there's a lot of Lutherans on. on the line. There's uh,
1: Operation Reconquista is all of them. And then there's seven individual organizations. Operation Reconquista is also on Facebook. So check it out.
0: Awesome. Awesome. That is fantastic. And then obviously you're going to want to find and follow Redeemed Zoomer, YouTube, Instagram, um, all the socials, but those are those are where you can get really fast uh, resources and, um, and get up to speed. Yes, there are going to be things that uh, Richard is going to say that are going to offend you. That is not a bad thing. So let's keep this conversation going. This is work that is necessary. It's work that's happening in real time. Um, it is spiritual in nature, uh, in, you will hear Richard say this is not a battle against flesh and blood, but we all know that there are people um, in the midst of all of these conversations and controversies. So let's be praying each other up uh, in the spirit. Richard, thank you so much for joining us today. I want you guys to be following Redeemed Zoomer and entering into the conversation. So we've only got uh, like a minute left here this morning. And so let me be sure that we walk away with a blessing, um, with an invitation Let's end where we started. You know, Jesus says, says to us, come to me, come to me, all you who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. If you need some soul rest today, would you come to Jesus? He is inviting you. Whatever, whatever you're facing, whoever you're facing, whoever's facing you down, like come to Jesus. He has what you need. He is um, willing to carry the load. He's inviting you to take his yoke upon you, the yoke of discipleship, um, to lean into him, to walk by his spirit step-by-step all the way home to the Father's house. Get some soul rest today with Jesus as you make your way out there into the world that he so loves. Um, Let's be ambassadors of the King and the Kingdom in the midst of the kingdoms of this world, bringing glory to God the Father. Have a great day and God bless.